0: My search for answers is only possible thanks to the listeners. To learn more about how you can donate to this podcast, please visit patreon.com/smalltownhorror. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash s-m-a-l-l-t-o-w-n-h-o-r-r-o-r.
1: Every town has its stories, its secrets what possible harm could come from sharing them Hmm? this is small town horror
0: my name is ryan jennings small town Horror is a bi-weekly podcast documenting my return to creighton minnesota and my continuing search for answers each episode is recorded and posted in order as it happens to me for more details please listen to all previous episodes Two weeks. Two weeks in a room alone after Sarah left. Two weeks of self doubt and misery that I inflicted on myself as I wallow in self pity. Even I'm getting sick of myself. You stay in one place for two weeks for whatever reason and things are gonna get weird. Add in listening to those laughs and it'll get downright dark. Honestly, Playing those laughs for myself was just about the dumbest thing I've done in a life filled with poor choices. It's sort of like someone with arachnophobia covering themselves in spiders in an attempt to beat their fears. Except they intentionally don't put one away. And instead of the fear going away, you keep swatting at your skin that growing fervor because you think you can feel those hairy legs everywhere pretty messed up huh that's what I was doing to myself too much time too little information I keep the TV turned up refusing to turn on a sitcom or anything that might have a laugh track even a desperate laugh is more than I want to hear I even keep it on when I listen to audiobooks the more I can use to distract myself the better If you know you're going crazy, you must still be sane, right? When you spend that much time by yourself, just thinking things get strange. I have arguments with myself out loud, trying to talk through what happened to me. Even this podcast, continuing to do the voiceovers to what's going on is all just my attempt to get a handle on everything that's happening. Recording every second I might as well have dared myself to crack Having the internet's helped staying in touch with people knowing they listen knowing they're following the blog knowing that This is really happening to me You run out of things to think about Like being in a relationship for too long the stories are old Jokes are boring, so you think about things that you try hard not to think about. Besides the sounds, I think about my dad. I wasn't even back in town for his funeral service. The church put it on for him. I can barely bring myself to leave the room, let alone take a walk through a graveyard to find a tombstone of my estranged father that the church donated because I didn't want to deal with the hassle of it all. I know exactly the sort of person I am. I actually make it through two weeks of my self-imposed seclusion before I finally hit rock bottom, so to speak. Denial's a powerful thing, Lack of a future doesn't hurt either. But the fact is, there's only one thing left that I can do. One more thing before I leave this town forever. One last act so maybe I can sleep again. I'm just tired and desperate enough to do it. But you know a lot of this already from last episode. I know at the top of the episodes I've said that these are posted as they happen but well after posting my little breakdown last episode events started to unfold it'll make more sense eventually but only if you hear the whole story and that's going to take time more importantly and more specifically it's time I need to buy for myself so for my own sake I need to keep this podcast bi-weekly. I promise this will make sense. At least as much sense as it makes to me. And that brings us back to where we left off. The moment that I know what I have to do. Something that sanity never would have allowed just a couple of months ago. Almost on cue, there's a knock at my door. I peek through the shades of the window next to the door and see Roger standing there, staring straight ahead. He's wearing his fire department uniform and looking nervous, shifting his weight from foot to foot. I have to think about it for a moment, considering my options before unlocking the deadbolt and letting the door crack open.
1: How'd you know I was here? Well, you didn't make it easy. I had to get in touch with a friend of mine in Bemidji who saw you at the hospital visiting Mrs. Alderman. Then I went to the bar where you were talking with Sarah. I got Sarah's number from a cop friend of mine before I was finally able to get her to tell me that you were here. You did all that just to find me? <sighs> no, stupid. I drive by this motel every day on my way to work. The rest you posted on the podcast.
0: Oh, um, uh,
1: yeah, I forgot about that. You forgot about that? I haven't really been sleeping much. Yeah, about that. Can I come in?
0: I let him in the door and he looks around the room with the sort of look you'd expect to see from someone who just
1: walked in on two weeks worth of filth. I, uh, I went back and listened to what you and Sarah were talking about. About why you're making this podcast. About why you're posting all this stuff. To make it feel real. That was just... Th- Give me your gun. What? What? Man, you're having problems knowing what's real. You aren't sleeping. I'm your friend, two decades of time apart notwithstanding. I can't let you have a gun right now. I've seen this sort of thing before. I work with an organization called Mission 22. Every day, 22 veterans take their lives because of post-traumatic stress. I've been through the bad times. Really bad times. And I've worked with a lot of vets. I know the signs. You shouldn't have a gun right now.
0: All right, you can have my gun, but not today.
1: I need it. You know that saying you need it just for today is just about the worst thing you could say to me right now? What do you need it for?
0: So I lay it all out there for him. My plan. All of it. And his eyes go wide for just a moment.
1: You're sure about that? I don't have any other choice. Think she'll agree? sure hope so. Then you won't be the one packing. Really? Believe me. I know the family. Fine. I go to the back of
0: the room and get my gun from the nightstand, unload it, and hand it to him.
1: Thanks. Now, can you do me a favor? Of course. What do you need? I need some peace of mind.
0: Roger listened to the episodes with the sounds and the laughter that the sound was composed of. He knows that I recorded something in my father's house and he wants to find it. Unfortunately, there's nothing to find. We spend two hours going through the house while he spends two hours going through the house. I need to keep excusing myself outside for fresh air when I feel the anxiety creeping up. Closing my eyes and feeling the sun on my face helps me remind me that I'm still here. We pull the grates off of all the vents, even use a shaving mirror and a flashlight to look up to see if we can find some sort of speaker or recording device that someone might have planted in there to project the sounds, but there's nothing.
1: Damn it. I'd have bet anything there was something in the vents. It doesn't mean anything. Whatever was here that made that noise could have been removed at any time in the last month.
0: Those vent covers were painted over, Raj. I'm the one who painted over them when I was 16. 16. I remember the yelling. Hell, you had to prime off. So unless someone planted something there to make the sounds, then removed them and repainted the walls and aired out the house all in an attempt to scare me, there's nothing there. There never was.
1: Then what is it? Ghosts?
0: At this point? What if it was?
1: There's no such thing as ghosts, man. Whatever happens around here isn't ghosts or demons. It's bad people doing bad things. Then
0: why aren't they ever caught?
1: What's the line? The only thing evil needs to win is for good people to do nothing? This is a good town, Ryan, with good people in it. But they get scared. It's easy to play armchair quarterback when you see bad shit on the news. It's a different monster altogether when you actually have to react to it in front of you. <sighs> Maybe you are crazy. Maybe whatever happened to you back then messed up your head and all of this is part of some weird game. But it didn't happen to me, so I can't tell you that I'd have done anything different. You were just a kid. When you're 18, 19 years old and you have to go through this stuff that no one ever should, it changes things.
0: Again, I wonder if Roger's talking about me or something else entirely. But his eyes sort of glaze over and he looks far off towards the other houses on the road before packing up his drill and tools offering me a ride back to the motel. No, thanks, man. I could use the walk. I haven't gotten out much lately.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could smell that when you opened the door. Just take care of yourself. No more waiting for me to come to you. And no more hiding in that motel room. Call me if you need anything. But honestly, either you need to find what you're looking for, or I think you are better off going back to Atlanta.
0: He hands me a card with his address and phone numbers on it before driving off. I walk slowly down the road, taking my time towards what would be considered downtown Creighton proper, all three square blocks of it. I consider going into Izzy's or the pit stop before thinking better of it and taking a seat at the counter in Dan's cafe. Even at 2 p.m. on a Saturday, the small diner is packed. More than a few people stare at me as I walk in and sit down. I can't make out any whispers and don't feel any ill will towards me. Maybe pity, if anything. I also think about what Roger said and realize how badly I must smell. Instead of staying, I order a hamburger to go before getting a six-pack from next door and walk back to the motel. It might not sound like much, but it's a pretty big step for me. I intentionally just went into a public dining establishment, no doubt igniting another round of gossip. Maybe even giving a fresh look to whoever it is that haunts me. As I near the motel again, I see Sarah's car parked in front of my room. She's just about to open the car door and get in when she sees me and stops. Hey. Oh, hey. Y- you okay?
2: Not, not really. You want to come in? Not really.
0: We sit on the small cement divider that separates the walkway in front of the rooms from the gravel that serves as a parking lot. She takes a beer from the six-pack without asking.
1: bad day?
2: Yeah, it was pretty bad. A patient died today. And Mrs. Alderman's condition is deteriorating.
0: It started getting worse after I saw her,
2: didn't it? Brian, you didn't have anything to do with this. I know it sounds bad, but she's been circling the drain for a long time. I mean, even before the fire, she'd already lost her husband and son. Honestly... Sometimes I wonder why people hold on as long as they do.
0: I'm sharing a beer with Nurse Ratchet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it makes jokes. Who knew? Yeah, well, some days I'm more cynical than others. I, uh, I just came by to let you know about Mrs. Alderman. Better for me so you could get some context on the inevitable.
0: Thanks. I, um, I've been meaning to call you.
2: You have?
0: Yeah, I was, uh. I was actually gonna call you in a little bit. I. I wanted to ask you something.
2: I'm here now, what is it?
0: It's gonna sound crazy.
2: You're in the right place for that.
0: I'd wait until you hear what I want you to do. The gist of it is simple I'm doing the sinner's game again. I'm gonna walk into the woods at midnight alone and retrace my steps. No matter what happens, I'll get answers. Either I can leave and forget all this, or I can be validated. To make sure I get answers, Sarah does her part and shares some rumors about my doing the game again. People around town think I'm crazy enough. They all probably assume I'm still armed, too. No one's going to wander into the woods after me as a joke. If anyone shows up out there, it's with good reason. Please hide them. Please stop flowing. Please uncover... Please forgive me. (sighs) Done. I spin at the sound of a branch snapping and jump back, almost tripping over the remaining stones of the church wall. Before me stands a huge man, maybe six and a half feet tall, almost 300 pounds. In the glow from my lighter, I can see the shine of tears falling from his eyes. Who the f*** are you? You shouldn't be here.
2: No, you shouldn't be here.
0: Roger was right about Sarah's family and their support for the Second Amendment. It might be the smartest thing I've ever done to ask her to watch my back. The man raises his hand, but I can just make out the look of anger on Sarah's face being replaced by confusion.
2: Alex? What are you doing here? I could have killed you.
1: I needed to talk to him. I needed to tell him to stop all this. it has gone too far. What
2: are you
0: talking about?
1: Stop looking for answers. It's making things worse.
0: How? What are
1: you
2: talking about?
1: The people. The voices of people laughing. Leave them alone.
2: Wait, Alex, you know the voices of the people on the recording? Just one. Which one?
1: Mine. Shoot me if you want. I'm not staying here a second longer. And neither should you.
0: Sarah lowers her shotgun as a huge man walks past us without another word. Leaving us standing there amongst the charred stones of the church. It turns out I'm not alone. Twenty-two veterans take their lives due to PTSD every day. If you're a veteran, a family member, or just part of the community and would like more resources and information on how to help Mission 22 end veteran suicide, please visit mission22.com. M I S S I O N, two two. People need to know Creighton is here. Please help spread the word by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and leaving a positive review. Reviews are vital for exposure. People need to know the truth about Crazy Town.